Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie. How's everything over there, Jamie? Everything is good. How about you? Things are good here too. So glad to see spring-ish. We're getting so much more daylight at least. We still have a ton of snow though. I know. Well, after the time change, because as you know, as mm-hmm. we're recording, it's we've just had our spring forward and there's just a huge difference with daylight. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten, we went out back, we got so much snow this season. And then we had kind of a mini breakup where the, you know, it kind of like the roads got clear and then it snowed mm-hmm. a whole bunch and then it was icy. And we're just now getting down to like where we're able to chisel away and we're seeing driveway. Uh, we're seeing, we shoveled yeah. our deck off and we're, you uh-huh. know, it just really feels like spring. I even saw some greenery coming up out of a flower pot of one of my, oh, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, happy spring to everyone listening, unless it's, what would it be? I guess, happy fall if you're in the Southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're glad you're here to join us. This is going to be kind of a continuation. So last week, Jamie and I had a really fun chat just about the role of prayer and decision-making. And today we're going to kind of continue that just by hitting some of the most common questions that we hear come up about how prayer impacts how we make decisions and how to hear from God. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess we can start off with prayer. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll start off with prayer and then we'll jump in. Cause I, we've got a lot, we got a lot of questions. Great. So, all right. Well, God, thank you so much for allowing us to talk about decision-making and prayer. It's such a, an important, it's such an important topic and it's one that's not just black and white and it's got so many different facets. So we just pray that you would guide our conversation, help us to be a blessing to those listening and just bless us as we discuss this and just kind of work out our own questions with the presence and the guidance of your Holy spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All righty. So let's see. How about I'll just kind of start with our list of questions that we've um, we've talked about. One that I think really has come up a lot in conversation is like, can there be more than one right decision? And is there always like God has this one path? And if you take it, you know, and you veer a little bit off track, everything else could fall apart on you. Yeah. And I don't know. I've I obviously there's no pat answer to that, but we kind of go back to, you know, I, I sort of have, I I would say that I began my journey of decision-making with the idea that we have to consult God because like for the express reason that there is a right and a wrong thing to do. And only God knows the right choice and I can choose wrong and I can veer off that path and everything will fall apart. And then, you know, and then what, and then I've got a long road back to recovery to get back to where God really wanted me to go in the first place, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'll never get there. Maybe I'll miss that opportunity forever. And I think there's still a degree of truth to that in my belief system. And obviously we're all learning and, and on a journey and, and it, you know, there, there are different ways to look at it, but I would say that I've moved away from that in the sense that I see this scripture of, you know, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And I think there are times when God leaves it open for us to walk Mm -hmm. to the right or to the left. And I'm because I've experienced that where I feel like there's been a silence to Mm -hmm. my question of what's the neon sign answer where, where's the yes or the no. I think Mm -hmm. there are times when maybe there are two different things that could be done that God would bless you in that, and that God would, um, allow you to flourish in would work things. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of, I, I sort of have this idea that maybe there are other things. And also, you know, I do also think that there are times when there's a definite yes or no, I think there are both. Yeah, That's a good way to put it. And I think it's also important to bring up the freedom that we have as believers Yeah, that we're not automatons and God's not, 
like so many times I have this picture that we have of God is, you know, the PE referee who was like, can you do 15 push-ups in 30 seconds or, you know, whatever those presidential mm-hmm. fitness tests are like, yeah. and it's a pass fail and you either do it or you don't, and you're either a good student or a bad student. And I think you're absolutely right. There are certain times that I think God makes his will so clear to us, mm-hmm. either because it's in the Bible when he tells us not to sin, right. <laughs> like there, there are certain things, like as much as you and I love to talk about the nuances in the gray areas, there are a lot of things that don't fall into a gray area. Yeah. You like, know, you know, don't I, murder, right. <laughs> don't steal, um, don't. So sometimes we don't need a neon flashing sign to know God's will. And sometimes we don't even need him to hit us on the head with a, a neon sign. We, we already know certain things are against his will. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to agonize over that. So I'm just, I'm trying to think of an easy example. <laughs> the one that we always go back to, should I break into your house and steal your coffee? Right. No, I don't need to pray about that. I don't need to agonize over that. I know that that is a sinful decision. And therefore I'm, I know that it would be against God's will to yeah. do. And sometimes we can get really testy with God where we like to treat things as more nuanced. So it might be like, I'm going to do this thing unless God, you show me really clearly that I shouldn't like my mom used to write humor columns and she wrote one about trying to diet and lose weight. And and she didn't take herself seriously with it at all, but basically she had prayed that God would help her get over a food addiction and lose some weight. And then she's driving in the car and she sees the donut shop and her little reward center in her brain is like, wouldn't it be great to go stop and get some donuts? And then the way she described it is just like a humorous set of events. Like she didn't make this turn and she's like, well, maybe this is God telling me I shouldn't go. But then she's like, but you know, I could still turn around really easily on this next street, but then that one had an accident. Like it was very, very funny. And God put like four detours in her, like on her jaunt to get the donuts. And to be fair, I don't remember if she still ended up getting the donuts or not. Is eating a donut a sin? No. But if you have prayed for God to help you overcome a food addiction and you treat every single day like, well, I'm going to do this thing until you put five detours in my way. Again, that's not that's not how to approach it either. But a huge part of it, I think, comes down to are we surrendered to God mm-hmm. and are we practicing hearing him so that you know, like some people just pray about the really, really, really big decisions. Should I marry this person or not? Um, should we move out of country or not? But they're they're not used to listening to God in their everyday life. But I think there's another caveat where do you need to pray about what socks you're going to wear today? No, I don't think you do at all. And do you need, because that can get into a real kind of superstition, you know, yeah. like dear God, should I put hazelnut or should I put caramel in my coffee today? And I don't want to make the wrong choice. And I don't want to displease you. Like, imagine if your kid was like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine you have a 10 year old Mm. kid and they're like, mom, do you want me to wear like this blue t-shirt or this red t-shirt today? And you say, oh, wear whichever one makes you happy. And they're like, but I don't want to upset you. I don't want you to get mad at me. Like, can't you feel how heartbreaking that would be as a parent? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, and I think also it reminds me of kind of the other, and there's a fine line again, between sincerely want to be wanting to be surrendered to God and speaking Christianese also yes. when, so I can think of, you know, someone approaching me, you know, we, you've been involved in women's ministry. We think that you'd be a great fit to be our speaker at our next conference, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And, and then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to pray about that. Well, yeah. You know what there, it, it probably isn't a bad idea to pray about it, but I've been in positions where I've, I don't know, is it less spiritual to say, let me check my schedule. Right. I'm honored. That's a really good. I'm honored to be asked, and this would be exciting for me. And this Mm -hmm. would be a great fit. Can I check my schedule? So I have been in in situations over the years where I have felt like, well, I need to say I'm going to pray about it. And (laughs) I guess you pray about it. Now, there are other times that I've been asked to do leadership things that I haven't wanted to do. 
And those are the times that I've been like, let me pray about it. Maybe mm-hmm. God has other plans for sure. And those are definitely, but then again, you know, maybe there is, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I just know <laughs> that there've been times when I have been, I have felt like it was the right thing to say that I would pray mm-hmm. about something that I know full well, I really want to do and will probably do because it's cool. <laughs> and yeah. it's, no, it makes I get sense. It. So, I think we need like an urban dictionary equivalent for Christianese because yes. like, I'll pray about it can mean I really don't want to do this, but I'm not ready to give you a no. Right, right. I'm going to blame it on God when I say no. Exactly. It can mean I would love to do this, but I don't like want to jinx it. Like sometimes we do get superstitious about it. Right. Or I don't want to seem overly eager. Right. Right. It can mean um, I truly do want to take a little time to think about it. Like for me, um, from my publishing side of it, I've learned that sometimes I'll commit to something like too soon. So I've made myself a rule because running a published company, I have authors come to me pitching, you know, ideas for novels. And as a creative, my inclination is to always be like, sure, let's, let's do that. That sounds amazing because I'm hearing their excitement about it. And I, I get caught up in that, but then I have to put on my publisher hat and I have to ask myself, is this the right choice from a business standpoint? So I've trained myself to never commit to something that same day and to say, okay, let me, let me sit on that. But then there are other things like running my courses for authors. If I got asked to speak at some big name thing that I've been wanting to be recognized at forever, that would be an immediate, you know, that'd be yeah. like, like, thank totally you God for yes. this opportunity. Right. I don't need to pray about it. This because is like a blessing it, placed in my ex- lap. Exactly. Some of it is like, if you've already been praying about it. Okay. So let's, let's put it into terms that most Christian women either have gone through or might go through one day, or at least imagine going through one day you get proposed to. Okay. Presumably by the time somebody proposes to you, You're both in love with each other. You both have had multiple talks about marriage. Hopefully you've even talked to other people and sought, you know, godly counsel about whether you should get married. And so that case, when the question comes, you should be ready to give a yes. (laughs) It, you know, unless it's totally out of the blue and totally not the right time to propose, it shouldn't be, well, let me pray about this. Like, hopefully that stage comes like long before <laughs> the, the question gets asked. So again, I think it so much of it comes down to being discerning. Some of it comes down to know your tendency. Are you the kind to commit to something and then regret it? Or are you the kind to be so indecisive that opportunities slip away from you? And, and maybe like, whichever you fall on, like allow yourself, like, that's why I recognize talking to authors. I was so eager to say yes to things that I knew I needed to kind of give myself space to think about it from a dollars and cents and marketing standpoint and not just creative side. So sometimes we need to know where we are on that spectrum too. Yeah. I think knowing yourself is such a key, just knowing yourself, because like we say over and over again, everyone is different Mm -hmm. and prayer is a relationship. And so know yourself and, and know your relationship with God. And I kind of feel like maybe the more familiar you get with God working in your life, the more you get familiar with his answers, mm-hmm. maybe the less you need to pull back and be like, no, wait, let me pray about this because maybe you've seen God working or maybe that's not, that's not necessarily in true. some cases. I think it might be like, again, but it's, you need to know yourself, you need to like, know yourself mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think there's how a balance. has God spoken to you in the past is a big yeah. one. How, and how did spoken? you know it was God? And yeah. if you were to make a mistake, quote unquote, if a mistake could be made, is your mistake going to be to stay right where you are? Like, is that your default setting or mm-hmm. is the mistake that you're more likely to make to like jump into something too soon right? and then regret it? Because sometimes our regrets can teach us a lot as well. And mm-hmm. so- you know, that brings us to the next question that we had here is what if you think you've made the wrong decision, but it's irreversible, you know, he proposed to you, you said no, five years later, he's married with kids. And you're still like, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, maybe, maybe this really was the person that God had for me. Yeah, that's hard. And, you know, I've, I've been there. I know my husband has been there and, look, I mean, I, I definitely, um, 
particularly for me, it's with our kids and not necessarily decisions, but missed opportunities. I love Mm. to wallow in regret about missed opportunities with the kids as they get older and think Mm -hmm. I should have done that. And, you know, or I shouldn't have focused on that. I should have focused on this, or I should have challenged them in this way or been more intentional in this way. And I think it's the same with decisions. My husband tends to be more like that about decisions he has made. And like, Mm -hmm. was that the right thing? Mm -hmm. What did I miss because of saying yes to that? Or what did I not do? Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think that that can be very hard. And especially when it comes to women who have either not married someone or who Mm -hmm. have married someone and they look back and they think, Whoa, did I just like we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. did I marry the wrong person and then throw off everything for everyone else? (laughs) Because this isn't what I thought. This isn't what I signed up for, you know? And, and I didn't think this is how it was going to be. Um, or like you said, seeing someone else. So those kinds of decisions that are irreversible or become irreversible, Mm -hmm. They can be hard. And, and the way that I have come to look at that is that God is bigger and that God can take, he's a redeemer, he's a reclaimer mm-hmm. and he's a repurposer. And he doesn't just work in spite of things somehow in his infinite wisdom and power and the resources that are at his hands, which are everything in the universe he can take even these things that seem like bad decisions or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and use them to build onto you when we're surrendered to him, because I think regret can paralyze. It can be a wall. It can be sin. I think regret Mm -hmm. can be sinful and it can build up a wall between us and God, and it can keep us in paralysis and keep us from walking in the blessings that he wants to to bring to that situation that you've been in, that you, that you feel regretful about. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the best case scenario. There are things, and I can't, I can't think of a specific, well, I can, I can think of some terrible things of, you know, um, we had a a dear friend, dear friends of the family who lost their eight-year-old daughter to a drunk driver. And I think of Mm -hmm. that she was, she was at the bus stop waiting for, the bus for school and she was hit and killed by a drunk driver in their neighborhood. Mm. And that woman very likely has some irreversible regrets about that choice that she made. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that there are all regrets that you can just be like, Oh, you know, well, that guy married someone else. I can move on and Mm -hmm, God can mm -hmm. work in this. There are some regrets that are deeply you know, profoundly impacted other people and, and Mm -hmm. are not going to be like, Oh, let's just get over it. But okay. (laughs) No, it it really is hard because regret again, there's so many different definitions. You can regret sinning, right. But you can also regret that something happens to you, even though, you know, it wasn't the result of a sinful choice made, or just, you can regret maybe like, I believe that there are billions of choices that don't have anything to do with, am I sinning or am I not sinning? Right. If I eat Cheerios or oatmeal for breakfast, neither of those is a sin scenario. Right. Yeah, Um, exactly. And, and sometimes though we might make a choice and even though we haven't sinned, something bad came of it. Right. I had the choice to drive my daughter to school or have her take the bus and she took the bus. Right. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't a sinful, sinful thing. But then what happens if in this hypothetical situation, as a mom, you get a nagging feeling, I should, I should probably drive my daughter to school today. And you ignore that nagging feeling. And there is an accident or something like, how do you live with that? And I think in a case like that, like you just throw yourself upon the grace of God. It was not as though he was punishing you for ignoring that voice. If anything, it was like, cause sometimes, sometimes that happens. I have a premonition that something bad is going to happen. That bad thing happens. 
And then I'm left feeling a little bit confused being like, was I supposed to stop this? Like, could I have done something? Is that why God gave me this premonition? And instead I've decided to treat the premonition as a gift. It's God's way of saying, Hey, whatever is about to happen, just remember I gave you whispers ahead of time. And that way it's not going to feel like life is scary and chaotic. You're going to remember that I'm in control. Um, so, I mean, let's take kind of the case of your friend and, you know, I don't know the family you're talking about, but let's say the mom even had like the inkling of a premonition that today would be a good day to drive her daughter to school instead of having her take the bus. And she did not. Most of us would beat ourselves up for that for the rest of our lives. And we would feel like God had punished us for making the wrong choice. The way that I would look at it, not that it would be easy to, to switch that, you know, to turn off. I'm sure the devil would love to use that condemnation for the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. but here's the other way you could look at it. God knew from the day she was conceived. And even from before time, the day that my daughter would die, nothing was going to stop or change that. And the fact that I had a premonition could have been God's gifts to me to say, Hey, something's coming up, but I am in control of this. It's all like, this is not outside. This is not going to surprise me. This is going to be like, so there's a way to like trust in God's sovereignty as well. Like once something has happened, it has happened. Right. And so there has to be until that thing happens. Sure. Let's pray against all kinds of terrible things. I picture David when his son with Bathsheba is struck ill. And he is pleading with God, begging God to save this baby's life. The baby dies and David just gets up and moves on with his life (laughs) because like up until something happens, sure, we can, we can go into our prayer closets with 105,000% conviction Mm -hmm. that we can change possible outcomes of things. Once something has happened, it's happened. And then at that point, there, there does come hopefully a place of bittersweet resignation of, okay, this must have been within God's will. But yeah, those regrets can, can be devastating. You know, even just, you know, oh, I didn't pray before I started my day. And then this bad thing happens to someone I love. What if I had just prayed for that? Right. You know, but again, we, we just have to throw ourselves on God's grace <laughs> that he knows what's going to happen ahead of time before it happens. Sure. Let's never be fatalistic, <laughs> like preemptively fatalistic. Right. But once something happens, can you go back and change that? No. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a harsh pill to swallow at different times though. It is. Well, it reminds me of two verses. Um, the one, one that comes to mind is second Corinthians seven verse 10, where it says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Um, I think of someone like Paul, you know, Saul, he killed Christians. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. watched, he was glad. And yet he became like, if he had been converted and felt, I mean, he says many times, I'm the, the least worthy of mm-hmm. salvation. I'm mm-hmm. the worst of sinners. And he, I, I know he felt that because of what he had done to God's church. And if he had let that prevent him from walking in, in the calling that God had given him, the, the church would have, who knows, who knows what mm-hmm. would have happened. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, he was able to repent of those things and I'm sure he carried those things with him forever, mm-hmm. but he didn't allow that to keep him from moving forward. He became sorrowful. Yeah. He repented and it led to repentance, salvation, mm-hmm. and then moving forward. And another one is, you know, Philippians 3, 13, 12 and 12 through 14. Not if this is talking about pressing on toward the goal, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of what of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me brothers. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Jesus. So, you know, it's this idea of, I feel like maybe two things we can do when we feel regret. Cause I know I regret is my go-to I'm, I'm a wallower. Mm-hmm. I've said that before. Mm-hmm. I like to wallow and that's my comfortable place. And I've, I've got to recognize that. And so I think the number one thing is to say, okay, I can't change this. This Mm -hmm. is my reality. This is what is, is now. So what is next? So a, what is God doing right now in this? And what can he, what can he do through me in this? And Mm -hmm. what's my next step, you know, and just that for not forgetting what is behind, if there are things to learn, you know, that's maybe another thing. What Mm -hmm. can I learn and what's next? You know, what can I learn? What is God doing? What next? What can I do? Because so often when we make a mistake, whether that's like a sin mistake or maybe just kind of ignoring intuition that might've been from God, like when those kinds of things happen or like failing to pray for something and then something bad happens and you're left wondering like, well, could, could I have prevented this by my prayers? Something that I did want to also mention is almost the, um, the power and benefit of Praying preemptively. Coffee agrees. <laughs> exactly. She's giving her amen. <laughs> That's right. So like, I think about the prayer of Jabez, right? And like some people treated it very superstitiously and I'm not into that, but I do like the part of his prayer where he regularly prayed to like, and I forget the exact term, but the gist of it is don't let me harm people. So like back to preemptive, other types of preemptive prayer, one can be like, help me to, to discern, like speak to me really clearly when I'm about to make a really bad decision, Mm. right? Um, When you learn to make those kind of habitual types of prayers, then when something does happen, it saves you from wondering, right? Another preemptive prayer that could be really powerful is like, please tell me when there is something that I need to be praying for, right? And that way, like, let's say that you just make a habit every day, you're praying not to cause harm to people. And then you're in a parking lot and you bump into somebody's car and you cause some damage. You don't beat yourself up because you're assured that those types of scenarios have been covered in prayer so that if God let something through, that must have been within his will. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process but I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. Um, if you preemptively are in the habit of praying, okay, if there is something going on in my kids' lives that I don't know about, please bring it to light or show me how to pray for it ahead of time. And you make that a a regular habit. And then all of a sudden you realize that um, they've been texting with somebody that, you know, is nefarious that they should, they have no reason to be in communication with. Instead of beating yourself up, you can say, okay, God answered my prayer because this was revealed Mm -hmm. at the right time. Whereas if you hadn't had any prayer like that, you could, yeah, you could make a living of beating yourself up over these things. Should I have prayed? Should I have, should I have known? And again, we just, we, 
forget that we do have freedom. We have freedom to put one foot in front of another. We have freedom to drive ourselves to the store and we don't have to like be scared that the one day that you forget to pray as you're starting your car, God's going to cause you to get into a major wreck because like you've made a habit of praying for protection. You've made a habit of praying for, um, for these things. And so then when something does happen, you're not left wondering if it was because you left yourself and your family uncovered, right? So if I'm regularly praying for God's to protect my family from illness and one of us gets devastatingly ill, I don't have the guilt of saying to myself, I should have prayed more, right? Because I've made this habit of just kind of preemptively, God, if there's something that I need to pray against for my family, show it to me. And, and uh, there's a real peace that comes from that because then you know that anything that gets in, <laughs> like if your family is struck by tragedy or an accident or an illness, you don't have to wonder, could you have prevented that with your peers? Because you know that you cast such a strong net of protection around your family with your peers that anything that did come through was absolutely part of God's plan. Okay. I, I don't want to quite say God's will, cause that can get a tiny, tiny bit into murky waters, but it right. was absolutely within his plan and within his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And in most cases I would go ahead and say, yeah, even within his will that nothing that shouldn't have, have come to you as a trial can come to you because you've made a habit of these preemptive types of prayer. Yeah. And I think just being intentional about checking in with God periodically, mm-hmm. daily. Yeah. That, that practice is for that purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so what are some of those you, you asked a, a list of questions and I want to write those down just to kind of have them. So what were some of the questions that you asked? It was like, as the preemptive prayers, as the preemptive prayer. Yeah. yeah. One would be like, um, you know, show me clearly if I'm about to veer off your plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that would be a big one. Um, show me if there are things for my family or loved ones that I don't know about that I need to be praying for. Um, you know, help me to not cause harm to others as I just go about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's see. I'm sure there were a couple others that I rattle off, but those are the first that come to mind in the, yeah, in no, the I restated version. Yeah. I mean, in general, you're saying, show me how to pray, show me exactly. how to pray for people, show me how to interact with people. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that is so important and, um, yeah, that can, that can be very helpful. And I think mm-hmm. once we do make decisions, um, being open and surrendered. Cause I would say the vast majority of decisions we make aren't carved in stone. So let's say I said, yes, mm-hmm. yes, I will speak at this conference. This is awesome. Yep. I've been looking forward th- to this for a long mm-hmm. time. You finally mm-hmm. asked me, you know, right. so I said, yes, let me check my calendar. It's clear, but I need to, if I'm living a surrendered life, then I'm, I'm not holding on tightly to that with open hands, mm-hmm. or let's say, you know, something more difficult to let go of could be, you know, someone a- approaches us about a book deal for praying Christian women. And mm-hmm. we're like, Oh yeah, we would love that. And, mm-hmm. uh, we say yes. And, and maybe it's not as easy to hold it with open hands for something like that, or for someone mm-hmm. who their dream job comes open and they apply for it and they get it and they say, yes. And, you know, but to hold even those things, to be really aware that no matter what the decision is, mm-hmm. to keep holding it surrendered. I would say in my own yeah. life, the biggest example of this was when I was engaged for the first time to a mm-hmm. man I did not end up marrying. And I said, yes, enthusiastically, um, mm-hmm. we both prayed about it. He was a Christian. And I, I even remember when I met him, the first thought that came to my mind was this is the man I'm going to marry. And, <laughs> and I, I thought it was from God and, right. and for, you know, however long, like a year. Um, but I, I kept saying to God as painful as it was, we, we had some issues leading up to breaking our engagement for mm-hmm. several months. And I just remember I 
really wanted to continue to be engaged and to get married, but mm-hmm. I did keep saying, God, you know, my heart, you know, I want this yeah. so much. If this isn't your will, please don't let us get married. Please yeah. don't let me make a mistake. And I just kept praying that even though my mm-hmm. heart wasn't in it. And I was like, but you know, I really want this. So please let it work out. <laughs> But then like when we finally did, and I think I shared this in the last episode, when it came time, I sought counsel from a pastor, Mm -hmm. our pastor. And he said, ask him if today he was going, he hadn't asked you to marry him. Would he ask you to marry you, Mm -hmm. marry him? And his answer was no, or no, his answer was, I don't know. And so then I, I ended up saying, well, let's not let's get unengaged. Let's not, let's, Mm -hmm. let's wait, let's start over and see where God goes. And as painful as that was, and as heartbreaking as it was to hear him say that there was such a, like, I felt God's spirit just almost saying, yes. Like I just felt this, like Mm -hmm. that this is right. This is good. Even though it's awful, it's good. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. I just feel like living surrendered, even when it feels hard, God, yeah. I don't think God's going to let you grip those things that are hard to let go of forever. Mm-hmm. If you, it, it, and go down that path that as long as you're living with that surrendered attitude yeah. and prayer. Yeah. And I think another warning to give is to not get so caught up in the outcome, right? So mm. like, let's take your hypothetical situation. And let's say that, like, I don't want to get too personal. So just please, everybody know we're talking hypothetically here. But like, let's say that 10 years into your marriage now to Matt, like something huge came up, you know, like a capital H huge, the type that, you know, couples might divorce over. It would probably be easy to have in your head, but God, like, you told me not to marry this guy and instead marry that guy, but then it didn't work out or then it was hard, (laughs) you know, I must have heard wrong. I must have heard wrong or, or even worse, you must've, you must, you must've made a mistake, Mm -hmm. right? Like you promised that if I married this guy, that it would work out. And actually, no, he never promised that. (laughs) He said, Jamie, this is the guy that I want you to marry. I don't want you to marry that guy. I want you to marry this guy. He's not making a promise that it's going to be an easy marriage. He's not making a promise about anything. He's saying, this is the next step. You know, so same thing. Maybe you say yes to that hypothetical speaking engagement and your flight home gets canceled and you're stranded in Orlando for two weeks or something, you know, it would be easy to say, well, God, you told me to go on this trip and taking a step of obedience has no guarantee that things are going to work out for you. Absolutely. You know, it has and, no guarantee yeah. that you're going to be safe. It has no guarantee that the outcome is going to be what you want it to be. It just means you're taking a step of obedience. Yeah. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me from our conversation last time was mm-hmm. Just because there are beautiful times when you can look back and think, wow, God spared me from X, Y, or Z by this Mm -hmm. decision that he led me to make that I didn't know the outcome. It turned out good. We can look at that, but you are so right that the outcome doesn't always Mm -hmm. reflect whether the decision was good or bad and that we just need to. And I think that as long as we are living surrendered. I think that's such a key, just as long as Mm -hmm. we are living surrendered lives, that that is the point. Mm -hmm. I think that the relationship with God is the point because guess what? This life that we're living now seems so important. And it's just literally a drop in a bucket of eternity. Not actually it's a drop in infinity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally a -hmm. drop in the expanding universe in, in eternity and what is going to last, what is not going to pass away is who we are Mm -hmm. in at our core and how we relate to God and what we're putting on, you know, we're supposed Mm -hmm. to put off the sinful acts. We're supposed to put off the, um, selfishness, the pride, the whatever self-seeking, and we're supposed to put on, the 
things of God and, and those things that we're building on are the things that will last. So I don't know. I just feel like that relationship and the act of obedience and the act of surrender is the result. Sure. And I think there's a misconception that to be surrendered, you need to check your emotions at the door, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say that you're a couple struggling with infertility and you have been for years and it is the most devastating trial that has come to you in your entire existence. Some people like, yes, you need to surrender to God, whether he is going to gift you with a pregnancy or not, like that must be surrendered to God. But it is humanly impossible to remove your emotions from that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it would have been back when you were about to break up with a fiance, it would have been impossible for you to separate emotions from that. Right. And God knows that. I don't think, I don't think separating the emotions is required. You know, if it were, Jesus wouldn't have wept in Gethsemane. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. have sweat blood in Gethsemane. Like the surrender is the goal, not to just approach something totally emotionlessly like sometimes we we try to get so spiritual that we ignore we talked about this last week we get so spiritual we think we need to ignore like logic we can also get so spiritual that we feel like we need to ignore emotions or go against our emotions like the Mm -hmm. stupidest thing I heard and like I hate even using that word but it was so stupid it was a missionary saying well I knew God wanted me to become a missionary to Africa because that was the last place I would ever want to go and I'm sorry, like I was a teenager at the time, like that is stupid. And that is a stupid message to give to Christians is that God's going to always make you do the opposite of what you want to do. So all you have to do is decide what you want to do and then do the opposite. Right. Whatever doesn't make you happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the thing that he's going to require of you. Is God going to call us to surrender? Yeah. Is he going to call us to do things that are so far out of our comfort zone? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But like to just make this blanket statement, like if the litmus test for what does God want me to do? Like if the litmus test is, well, do what, think about what you want to do and then do the opposite. We wouldn't have this podcast, right? Like it sounded fun to us. We enjoy doing it. Right. And, you know, I think of Desiring God by John Piper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It talks about Christian hedonism, which is this idea that God made it's the opposite of stoicism. It's God Mm -hmm. made us to enjoy God made us to, to seek pleasure. And Mm -hmm. what the enemy has done, what a fallen sinful world has done is deceive us into thinking that these you know, junk food pleasures are somehow Mm -hmm. going to sustain us and fill us when in reality, we shouldn't be seeking to do the things that don't give us pleasure. We should be Mm -hmm. looking at what are the things that God holds for us that bring us joy, that allow us to come alive and pursue Mm -hmm. those things because those really will, um, in, in, in living, to the full, fullest version of ourselves that God has created us to be like, that's, that's mm-hmm. what we can pursue. Not to say that you're not going to, like you said, be asked to do something that you don't think is going to be what you want to do initially, or that he's not going to yeah. require something that takes energy and feels hard because of course mm-hmm. he will, but mm-hmm. yeah, but, but that Christian stoicism, I think can almost become addictive. It can make you feel like, like, Oh, I'm super spiritual because I never do the things that I want to do. I do the things that are too hard, you know? Uh Yeah. I mean, picture the woman who's been teaching children's church for 20 years. And the only reason she's teaching it is because she hates it. Like, is that the kind of woman you want teaching your kids? No. (laughs) Yeah. There was a woman in a church that we attended And she, we went through like a, like a strengths, you know, find your spiritual gifts kind of study. Mm -hmm. And she shared that she, um, she was married, but had never had children and she did not enjoy hanging out with kids. Well, you know what? That's not actually true. She might've been a teacher, but whatever it was, she, she either, dealt with kids in her job and Uh loved that, but wanted to separate that. And it was just like, you know, I feel called to women's ministry. I don't feel called to teach children. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be a warm body and that's okay. And that was very freeing for me because I think we are tempted to think like, 
you know, within the church or within our lives, like, yeah, if someone asks you to do something, you just need to do it to be the warm body. Or like you said, even more so you need to do it because God is, God wants to punish you or something (laughs) by, you know, you're going to earn points with God by, by Mm self-flagellation via Mm -hmm. whatever ministry you don't like the most. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's probably got its tentacles centuries back in church history where there is a big mix of church power and political power. And yeah, how do you keep people uneducated and controlled? Well, it's by telling them God wants you to never be happy. He wants you to only sacrifice. And again, we're not discounting the sacrifices that inherently come in the Christian life, but we don't need to go out searching for those. Like they're going to come no matter what. (laughs) We don't need to like to make our own trials and we don't need to feel guilty when there's not an immediate trial on our doorstep either, because there are seasons of, of growth and service that can come from that as well. Yeah. Well, I can think of two instances where I was asked to do something that I didn't really feel like I wanted to do. And I, I didn't know if God was calling me to it or someone else. And there were two different outcomes. You know, I remember one time I was asked, um, through a Bible study to be a leader, um, like a children's leader. And we knew we were going to be moving in like six months or something. And I was, I said, yeah, I, I'm going to, we're going to be moving in six months. So I just, I don't even know if it would be worth it to start. And she said, well, you know, the leadership kind of really, your name came to our minds, like all of us. And, and could you just think about it and pray about it? And so I did. And, and as I prayed about it, I started feeling God directing me. It wasn't like, you know, a, a total, clarity, but I started, my heart started like, well, you know what? I think this would be a good thing. And I I could use my gifts in this way. And for as long as I'm there and they were willing to be open ended with it and I did it. And it was the best thing that I had done. Like the whole time we lived there, you know, was, was doing this leadership thing and God just, you know, it, it was really, it, it ended up just being a great experience. And we ended up not leaving until the, the end of the study, which was actually several months beyond when I thought we would be there. So it all worked out. And again, like the outcome doesn't necessarily mean you made the right choice, but it was Mm -hmm. at that point, I knew that I needed to at least pray about it because it was something I didn't initially want to do. But then Mm -hmm. there was another time that I didn't want to do something and someone asked me to do it and I prayed about it. And I was really certain by the end of those prayers, it was like, I felt very free and released to say no. Um, and I can't explain the difference. Can you think of what is, how do you know, can you think think, of a way to explain that? Yeah. I think some of it is like learning to listen to some of the the physical signs. Now, what I'm going to be talking about is more about how to listen to your intuition. I don't want to over-spiritualize it and say that this is always how God's going to talk to you. But like, even when I'm on training with authors and we talk about like intuition, whether they're Christians or not, I think one of the ways to listen to your intuition is to like, think about how you feel when you are feeling the most like stable and secure and like so confident, right? Like I know that I am doing exactly what I'm meant to do. Like, so as an example, like if everybody were to picture a moment in the past year where they were doing something that they knew was exactly like, this is why I was put on earth. Like I was put on earth for this purpose. Mm -hmm. So you think about that side and then like even just try to, dissect the different like emotions and even like the different physiological things going on. So like for me, maybe I'm thinking about like, when I'm just sitting around the table, hanging out with the kids and we're laughing, like that is a moment of like, this is exactly what life is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's like, there's a, a sort of ease and peace in my gut. There's this feeling of like expansiveness in my chest. There's no weight pressing down on my shoulders. Um, there's kind of like a lightness coming up. So think, cause, cause that sensation will be different for everybody, but think about that sensation and then think about the exact opposite, right? Like for me, it would be like, 
think about that one time and there was nobody else to do Sunday school and you had to go downstairs. And, and again, like, how do you describe what's going on, like physically and emotionally? So for me, it's like the hunched shoulders, the, you know, that constant, like my mind is always in like, I want to be anywhere, but here. And so like, Mm -hmm. get used to recognizing feeling a versus feeling B. And sometimes I'm not saying that because God uses so much more than just our intuition, but sometimes that is how you can, um, it's one of the ways, one of the litmus tests that we can use is just like tapping into that intuitive sense. So you picture yourself saying, okay, let's say I say yes to helping at VBS. How does that feel? Does that feel like I feel when I'm sitting around the table with my own kids, like laughing and, and making jokes? Or does it feel like I feel when I'm downstairs in that dark Sunday school room wondering when service is going to end so that I'm not responsible for other people's kids, (laughs) you know, like learning to recognize those two feelings um, can really, really help. I think that is so good because that, that hits the nail on the head for me when I think of the difference, because Mm. when they first asked me to do that ministry thing, I got that tightness and that hunchedness and that like dread. Yeah. And, I, and then I'm thinking of all the, well, I'm not even going to get to finish the year out. What's the point? Uh, I was working full time at the time mm-hmm. outside of the home. How am I going to fit this in? All those things. And I was taking a class also. And um, but I said, OK, I'll pray about it because I knew mm-hmm. they they kind of press. I, I gave the excuse. They press the issue, you know, and sometimes people are going to pull the God card on you. They're going to say, well, yeah, you got to be careful about that yeah. you're the one that doesn't mean you're the one it, yeah. but it made me stop and pray. And yeah. so I did stop and I prayed. And what happened was as I started praying, I don't know if it was that I was picturing what it would be like doing it, or mm-hmm. if it was just the act of surrendering to God and being like, what do you want? Yeah. And that feeling lifted and mm-hmm. that, that tightness became like anticipation and the like hunched mm-hmm. shoulders became like possibility and mm-hmm. just the openness to what God could do. And yeah. it didn't mean I was not still anxious. Cause I was, I was nervous mm-hmm. about the details and how it would work out. I had never done anything like that before. And I was mm-hmm. kind of still apprehensive. I wouldn't say that it was the total freedom of the, it wasn't just totally free from what would you call it? I won't call it anxiety, but like uh, nervousness, like it wasn't mm-hmm. free of that. Mm-hmm. And and it was out of my comfort zone, but the, there was a weight that lifted and there was a, there was a feeling of assurance that God was in it. And, mm-hmm. and it gets tricky because when Uh, And with the other thing, I had that kind of feeling of that guardedness. It wasn't as Mm -hmm. much dread because of the situation, but it was a guardedness and that didn't go away. That was like, it was like a protective feeling of you need Mm. to protect this. Yeah. Yeah. So it also, the flip side of that coin though, is the idea of like the heart is deceitful above all things. So what if thinking about uh, doing something makes you feel a certain way inside it, the feelings alone <laughs> without being accompanied yeah. by prayer and meditation and seeking and I a don't, surrendered heart. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think the surrendered heart has to be at the core of it. And then I think God can use and manipulate your feelings and your intuition to be conformed to his will, which isn't that right. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. holy and pleasing to God. Um, this is your spiritual act of worship. That's not the right one. Where does the test and approve be transformed by the renewing of your mind Mm, so that you can mm -hmm. test and approve what God's will is. So yeah, reading scripture, praying, surrendering, Mm -hmm. then God can mold and remold or confirm those intuitions and those desires and feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever rely just on the intuition. Yeah. But no, that's really good. That's good to talk through that because I've been kind of curious how to explain that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard because like intuitive people, like it happens subconsciously. So like, how do you explain, how do you explain that to somebody who's trying to become more intuitive? (laughs) Right? Like it is, it's, it's hard to dissect 
mm-hmm. how that works. But you're absolutely right. Like if you're going just by that, then, you know, and, and your question to God is like, should I sleep with this non-believer boyfriend I've got? <laughs> your feelings are probably going to like my feelings on yeah. that. <laughs> okay. You're right. The heart is deceitful, but again, intuition is a gift that is given to us. And I don't, I don't want to over-spiritualize. Like I truly feel like you don't have to be a Christian to be intuitive. I think the Holy Spirit uses intuition, but your intuition and the Holy Spirit are not the exact same thing, yeah. right? Like sometimes your intuition is just a, another level of common sense, right? It's, it's the subconscious common sense. And so, yeah, I don't want to over spiritualize it or or force people or encourage people to overly rely on it, but I think it is a tool that God can use. And yeah, I think another preemptive prayer to be like, God be sanctifying my intuition, Mm, be sanctifying my desires. That's a really good one too. Yeah. And you know, for the person listening who is zero intuitive, and this is like a foreign language, I think another helpful tool could be praying God into your pros and cons list. If you're a list maker of pros and cons for something, maybe that is another way of saying, God, help me to process this decision Mm -hmm. and invite him into your pros and cons list. I love that. Because Mm -hmm. I think that could be, for me, that's not as, that's a little bit more foreign to me than the intuition side, because I'm, I am more, I do rely more on intuition, but I I think that pros and cons list, or you could stretch yourself. And if you're more intuitive, invite God into a pros and cons list too, and see how those two things line up and vice versa, you know, just try, Mm -hmm. try to, to stretch yourself spiritually and prayerfully. But if you are a list maker, inviting God into your to-do list or into your pros and cons list is definitely another side of that coin that could be helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, don't check anything out the door. Don't check your um, emotions. Don't check your intuition. Don't check your logic and common sense. You know, I guess if anything, the one thing you want to leave at the door in as much as you can is your own selfish desires. But again, we can't always separate that out from everything else, you know? And so we just kind of bring it all to God mm-hmm. and ask him to, to make sense of it all. All right. Well, uh, I guess we have a couple choices. We still have a few questions here. We've been going. Do, I mean, do we want to extend this to a, to a part three? Do we want to wrap up here? Do we want to get through the last bit of questions? What are What is your intuition telling you? I would say, I think we've gone for about an hour. Yeah. I would say we probably should cut it off now. And then maybe we do a part three. Maybe revisit, and yeah. Revisit and maybe... Um, you know, bring in, I'll maybe bring in some scriptures that we can Mm -hmm. leave people with as well as finishing up the questions. I want to end with kind of one more caveat, and that is to be aware of how easily this can be manipulated into kind of spiritual abuse or spiritual bullying. Mm -hmm. Like I got nervous for you, Jamie, when you were telling the story, like a group of people that you trusted and admired were like, we we believe that God is telling you this. Like in in that case, it it worked out really well, but sometimes that can be really, really dangerous. And it can Um, be intimidating, especially, you know, at the time I was young, I was in my early twenties, they were older and wiser. And I mean, you have to ask yourself, like, could you have actually like have said no when they came at you with it in those terms. So we we always have to be careful. Um, It can also turn into spiritual bullying when you take what's intuition and just assume that it is like capital H, capital S, Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we joke all the time, like I have yet to tell Jamie, no matter how much I want to, oh, well, God's told me that you're supposed to move here and become a next door neighbor, (laughs) right? Like we we just have to be careful whether we're on the the end of somebody receiving what might be intuition or whether we're on the end of someone coming to us saying like, well, I think we need to do this. Um, You know, similarly, like how many wives have made their husbands feel belittled because, you know, well, I'm going to go pray about this decision. You can go look at the budget if, if, if you must, you know, and again, like God uses our, our common sense. He uses Excel spreadsheets as much as I hate them. Like God uses all of those things. I love that. Cause we, we touched on my personal (laughs) Mm -hmm. experience with that last time about Mm -hmm. my husband and I coming to a decision and me kind of inside being like, is he being spiritual enough? 
Is he? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just, so don't, um, don't expect other people to make decision-making the exact same way you do. That's so good. You know, like, so for me, maybe my breakdown is 50% intuition, 20% common sense and 30% like circumstance, right? Like that might be my kind of breakdown as to how much weight I give certain things, right? Like if the doors are open and it makes tons of logical sense, but my intuition is like, absolutely not. It's probably a no. If the intuition's totally there, but the circumstances and the open doors aren't there at all. And so my logic side is like, maybe this isn't it then, you know what I mean? So like, think Mm -hmm. about your own, just kind of breakdown as to what you bring in. And that can, again, help you create your own litmus test for making decisions. That's great. Cause I think it boils down to that. You Mm -hmm. need to come up with your own litmus test for making decisions Mm -hmm. because nobody prays like you, nobody makes decisions or has a relationship with God. That's exactly like yours. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, this is such a fun topic. I'm, (laughs) I'm not surprised that we're, um, spanning it out into even more conversations. So if anybody listening has more questions on the subject to add, you can send those to us at prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions. And how do you want to close up? Should we just close up in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. God, we just thank you for this time that we have to talk about decision-making to just kind of process our own questions and thoughts and looking back on times when we've had to make decisions. And we just pray for each person listening, Lord, that you would allow her to meet with you, that you would meet with her right where she is in the decisions that are in front of her, Lord, that you would protect her from, from the attacks of the enemy that are, 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 uh, making her feel regret about former decisions or past decisions um, and that you would open the doors for her to hear your voice clearly from here on out, that you would help her to create litmus tests for her own decision-making and just uh, help her to just grow increasingly close to you, God, so that those decisions become clearer and clearer as she grows closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.